chapter eleven of our friend the charlatan this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. our friend the charlatan by george gissing chapter eleven it was a week after the departure of dice lashmar lady ogram had lived in agitation a state which she knew to be the worst possible for her health several times she had taken long drives to call upon acquaintances a habit suspended during the past twelve months it exhausted her but she affected to believe that the air and movement did her good and met with an outbreak of still more dangerous choler the remonstrances which her secretary at length ventured to make on the day following this characteristic scene constance was at work in the library when the door opened and lady ogram came in walking unsteadily a grim smile on her parchment visage she advanced and stood before the writing-table i made a fool of myself yesterday sounded in a hollow voice of tremulous intonation is it enough for me to say so much more than i like to hear you say lady ogram answered constance hastening to place a chair for her i've been afraid that something had happened which troubled you nothing at all the contrary look at that photo and tell me what you think of it it was the portrait of a girl with features finely outlined but rather weak in expression a face pleasant to look upon and at the first glance possessing a quality of distinction which tended however to fade as the eye searched for its constituents and to lose itself in an ordinary prettiness i was going to say began constance that it seemed to remind me of she hesitated well of what of your own portrait in the dining-room yes i think there is a resemblance though far away lady ogram smiled with pleasure the portrait referred to was a painting made of her soon after her marriage when she was in the prime of her beauty not good as a work of art and doing much less than justice to the full-blooded vigour of the woman as she then lived but still a picture that drew the eye and touched the fancy no doubt you are right this girl is a grand-niece of mine my brother's son's daughter i only heard of her a week ago she is coming to see me constance now understood the significance of mr kerchever's visit and the feverish state of mind in which lady ogram had since been living she felt no touch of sympathetic emotion but smiled as if the announcement greatly interested her and in a sense it did i can quite understand your impatience to see her yes but one shouldn't make a fool of oneself an old fool's worse than a young one don't think i build my hopes on the girl i wrote to her and she has written to me not a bad sort of letter but i know nothing about her except that she has been well enough educated to pass an examination at london university that means something i suppose doesn't it 
certainly it does answered constance noting a pathetic self-subdual in the old lady's look and tone for a girl it means a great deal you think so the bony hands were restless and tremulous the dark eyes glistened it isn't quite ordinary is it but then of course it tells nothing about her character she is coming to stay for a day or two coming on saturday if i don't like her no harm's done back she goes to her people that's all her mother's family i know nothing about them and care less at all events she looks endurable don't you think much more than that said constance a very nice girl i should imagine ha ah, you mean that of course you do or you wouldn't say it but then if she's only a nice girl pooh she ought to be more than that what's the use of a photograph every photo ever taken of me made me look a simpering idiot this was by no means true but lady ogram had always been a bad sitter to the camera and had destroyed most of its results the oil painting in the dining-room she regarded with a moderate complacency many a time during the latter years of withering and enfeeblement her memory had turned to that shining head in marble which was hidden away amid half a century's dust under the roof at rivenoak there and only there survived the glory of her youth when not the face alone but all her faultless body made the artist's rapture well she said abruptly you'll see the girl her name is may tomalin you're not obliged to like her you're not obliged to tell me what you think of her most likely i shan't ask you by the by i had a letter from dyce lashmar this morning indeed said the other with a careless smile i like his way of writing it's straightforward and sharp cut like his talk a man who means what he says and knows how to say it that's a great deal nowadays constance assented with all good humour to lady ogram's praise you must answer him for me the old lady continued no need of course to show me what you write just put it into a letter of your own i hardly think i shall be writing to mr lashmar said miss bride very quietly do you mean that their eyes met and constance bore the other's gaze without flinching we are not such great friends lady ogram you will remember i told you that i knew him but slightly all right it has nothing to do with me whether you're friends or not you can answer as my secretary i suppose and lady ogram with her uncertain yet not undignified footfall went straightway from the room there was a suspicion of needless sound as the door closed behind her constance sat for a minute or two in a very rigid attitude displeasure manifest on her lips she did not find it easy to get to work again and when the time came for her bicycle ride she was in no mind for it but preferred to sit over a book at luncheon lady ogram inclined to silence later in the day however they met on the ordinary terms of mutual understanding and constance after to speaking of other things asked whether she should write lady ogram's reply to mr lashmar mr lashmar oh i have written to him myself said the old lady as if speaking of a matter without importance three days went by and it was saturday lady ogram came down earlier than usual this morning but did not know how to occupy herself she fretted at the rainy day which kept her within doors she tried to talk with her secretary of an important correspondence they had in hand it related to a projected society for the invigoration of village life but her thoughts were too obviously wandering 
since that dialogue in the library not a word regarding miss tomalin had escaped her all at once she said my niece is due here at four this afternoon i want you to be with me when she comes into the room you won't forget that never before had constance seen the old autocrat suffering from nervousness it was doubtful whether any one at any time had enjoyed the privilege strange to say this abnormal state of things did not irritate lady ogram's temper she was remarkably mild and for once in her life seemed to feel it no indignity to stand in need of moral support long before the time for miss tomalin's arrival she established herself on her throne amid the drawing-room verdure constance tried to calm her by reading aloud but this the old lady soon found unendurable i wonder whether the train will be late she said no doubt it will did you ever know a train punctual it may be half an hour late the railways are scandalously managed they ought to be taken over by the government i don't think that would improve matters said the secretary glad of a discussion to relieve the tedium she too was growing nervous nonsense of course it would constance launched into argument and talked for talking's sake she knew that her companion was not listening it's four o'clock exclaimed lady ogram presently there may be an accident with the broom leggett sometimes drives very carelessly no more prudent coachman existed and the state of the roads about here is perfectly scandalous they were as good roads as any in england what noise was that i heard nothing i've often noticed that you are decidedly dull of hearing has it always been so you ought to consult a what are the men called who see to one's ears lady ogram was growing less amiable and with much ado constance restrained herself from a tart reply three minutes more and the atmosphere of the room would have become dangerously electric but before two minutes had elapsed the door opened and a colourless domestic voice announced miss tomalin there entered very much the kind of figure that constance had expected to see a young lady something above the middle height passably not well dressed moving quickly and not ungracefully but with perceptible lack of that self-possession which is the social testimonial she wore a new travelling costume fawn-coloured with a slightly inappropriate hat too trimmy and brown shoes which over-asserted themselves her collar was of the upright sort just turned down at the corners her tie an ill-made little bow of red about her neck hung a pair of eyeglasses at her wrist were attached a silver pencil case and a miniature ivory paper-knife the face corresponded fairly well with his photographic presentment so long studied by lady ogram and so well remembered by constance bride its colour somewhat heightened and the features mobile under nervous stress it offered a more noticeable resemblance to that ancestral portrait in the dining-room lady ogram had risen she took a tremulous step or two from the throne and spoke in a voice much more senile than its wont i am glad to see you may glad to see you this is my friend and secretary miss bride whom i mentioned to you constance and the newcomer bowed hesitated shook hands miss tomalin had not yet spoken she was smiling timidly and casting quick glances about the room you had an easy journey i hope 
said miss bride aware that the old lady was sinking breathless and feeble into her chair oh it was nothing at all miss tomalin's utterance was not markedly provincial but distinct from that of the london drawing-room the educated speech of the ubiquitous middle class with a note of individuality which promised to command itself better in a few minutes the voice was pleasantly clear you had no difficulty in finding the carriage said lady ogram speaking with obvious effort oh none whatever thank you so kind of you to send it for me i wanted to see you for a moment as soon as you arrived now they shall take you to your room come down again as soon as you like we will have tea thank you that will be very nice miss tomalin stood up looked at the plants and flowers about her and added in a voice already more courageous what a charming room green is so good for the eyes are your eyes weak inquired lady ogram anxiously oh not really weak was the rapid answer miss tomalin spoke more quickly as she gained confidence i use glasses when i am studying or at the piano but they are not actually necessary still i have been advised to be careful of course i read a great deal there was a spontaneity a youthful vivacity in her manner which saved it from the charge of conceit she spoke with a naive earnestness pleasantly relieved by the smile in her grey eyes and by something in the pose of her head which suggested a latent modesty i know you are a great student said lady ogram regarding her amiably but run and take off your hat and come back to tea she and constance sat together silent they did not exchange glances well sounded at length from the throne a tentative monosyllable constance looked up she saw that lady ogram was satisfied happy i'm glad miss tomlin was so punctual was all she could find to say so am i but we were talking about your deafness you must have it seen to young people nowadays they can't hear they can't see they have no teeth miss tomlin i noticed has excellent teeth she takes after me in that her eyes too are good enough but she has worn them out already she'll have to stop that reading i'm not going to have her blind at thirty she didn't seem to be deaf did she no more than i am lady ogram you are not deaf then why did you say you were it was you not i that said so answered constance with a laugh and what do you think of her asked lady ogram sharply i think her interesting was miss bride's reply the word bearing a sense to her own thought not quite identical with that which it conveyed to the hearer so do i she's very young but none the worse for that you think her interesting so do i constance noticed that lady ogram's talk to-day had more of the characteristics of old age than ordinarily as though in her great satisfaction the mind relaxed and the tongue inclined to babble though may was absent less than a quarter of an hour the old lady waxed impatient i hope she isn't a looking-glass girl but no that doesn't seem likely of course young people must think a little about dress oh here she comes at last 
miss tomalin had made no change of dress beyond laying aside her hat and jacket one saw now that she had plenty of light brown hair naturally crisp and easily lending itself to effective arrangement it was coiled and plaited on the top of her head and rippled airily above her temples the eyebrows were darker of hue and accentuated the most expressive part of her physiognomy for when she smiled it was much more the eyes than the lips which drew attention come and sit here may said lady ogram indicating a chair near the throne you're not tired you don't easily get tired i hope oh not very easily of course i make a point of physical exercise it is a part of rational education do you cycle asked constance indeed i do the day before yesterday i rode thirty miles not scorching you know that's weak-minded lady ogram seemed to be reflecting as to whether she was glad or not that her relative rode the bicycle she asked whether may had brought her machine no was the airy reply i'm not a slave to it the other nodded approval and watched may as she manipulated a teacup talk ran on trivialities for a while the newcomer still cast curious glances about the room and at moments stole a quick observation of her companions she was not entirely at ease self-consciousness appeared in a furtive change of attitude from time to time it might have been remarked too that she kept a guard upon her phrasing and even her pronunciation emphasizing certain words with a sort of academic pedantry perhaps it was this which caused lady ogram to ask at length whether she still worked for examinations no i have quite given that up may replied with an air of well-weighed finality i found that it led to one-sidedness to narrow aims it's all very well when one is very young i shouldn't like to restrict my study in that way now the problems of modern life are so full of interest there are so many books that it is a duty to read a positive duty and one finds so much practical work what sort of work in the social direction i take a great interest in the condition of the poor really exclaimed lady ogram what do you do we have a little society for extending civilization among the ignorant and the neglected just now we are trying to teach them how to make use of the free library to direct their choice of books i must tell you that a favourite study of mine is old english and i am sure it would be so good if our working classes could be brought to read chaucer and langland and wycliffe and so on one can't expect them to study foreign languages but these old writers would serve them for a philological training which has such an excellent effect on the mind i know a family shockingly poor living four of them in two rooms who have promised me to give an hour every sunday to piers the ploughman i have made them a present of the little clarendon press edition which has excellent notes presently i shall set them a little examination paper very simple of course miss bride's countenance was a study of subdued expression lady ogram who probably had never heard of piers the ploughman glanced inquiringly at her secretary and seemed to suspend judgment 
we too take a good deal of interest in that kind of thing she remarked i see that we shall understand each other do your relatives mr and mrs rook work with you they haven't quite the same point of view said miss tomalin smiling indulgently i'm afraid they represent rather the old way of thinking about the poor the common-sense way they call it it means as far as i can see not thinking much about the poor at all of course i try to make them understand that this is neglect of duty we have no right whatever to live in enjoyment of our privileges and pay no heed to those less fortunate every educated person is really a missionary whose duty it is to go forth and spread the light i feel it so strongly that i could not simply could not be satisfied to pursue my own culture it seems to me the worst kind of selfishness the other day i went on the business of our society in it to a dreadfully poor home where the people i'm sure often suffer from hunger i couldn't give money for one thing i have very little and then it's so demoralizing and one never knows whether the people will be offended but i sat down and told the poor woman all about the prologue to the canterbury tales and you can't think how interested she was and how grateful it quite brightened the day for her one felt one had done some good there was silence lady ogram looked admiringly at the girl if anyone else had talked to her in this way no vehemence of language would have sufficed to express her scorn but in may tomalin such ideals seemed to her a very amiable trait she was anxious to see everything may said or did in a favourable light have you tried the effect of music asked constance gravely when miss tomalin chanced to regard her oh we haven't forgotten that next winter we hope to give a few concerts in a schoolroom of course it must be really good music we shan't have anything of a popular kind at least we shan't if my view prevails it isn't our object to amuse people it would be really humiliating to play and sing the kind of things the ignorant poor like we want to train their intelligence some of our friends say it would be absurd to give them classical music which will weary and discontent them but they must be made to understand that their weariness and discontent is wrong we have to show them how bad and poor their taste is that they may strive to develop a higher and nobler i for one shall utterly decline to have anything to do with the concerts if the programme doesn't consist exclusively of the really great bach and beethoven and so on don't you agree with me in principle replied lady ogram certainly we shall have lots of things to talk about i see i delight in talk about serious things cried may but lady ogram's physical strength was not equal to the excitement she had gone through long before dinner-time her voice failed and she had no choice but to withdraw into privacy leaving constance bride to play the hostess alone with a companion obnoxious much more than her own age miss tomalin manifested relief she began to move about looking at things with frank curiosity and talking in a more girlish way the evening was cloudy and did not tempt forth but may asked whether they could not walk a little in the garden 
this is a beautiful place i shall enjoy myself here tremendously and it's all so unexpected of course you know miss bride that i had never heard of lady ogram until a few days ago yes i've heard the story do let us get our hats and run out i want to see everything they went into the garden and may whilst delighting in all she saw asked a multitude of questions about her great-aunt it was only in the intellectual domain that she evinced pretentiousness and grew grandiloquent talking of her private affairs she was very direct and simple with no inclination to unhealthy ways of thought she spoke of her birth in canada and her childish recollections of that country i used to be rather sorry that we had come back to england for the truth is i don't much care for northampton and i have never been quite comfortable with my relatives there but now of course everything is different it seems a great pity that i should have had such a relative as lady ogram and know nothing about it doesn't it strange how the branches of a family lose sight of each other can you tell me lady ogram's age constance replied that it was not far from eighty really i should have taken her for older still she seems very nice i think i shall like her i wonder whether she will ask me often to rivenoak do you know whether she means to when she came down after dressing for dinner constance found miss tomalin in the dining-room standing before her great-aunt's portrait surely that isn't can that be lady ogram exclaimed the girl yes more than fifty years ago do you know i think she was rather like me constance smiled and said that there was certainly a family resemblance it appeared more strongly in the girl's face attired as she now was her neck at liberty from the white linen collar and her features cast into relief by a dress of dark material having felt a little apprehensive about the young lady's evening garb constance was surprised to find that it erred if anything on the side of simplicity though for several reasons not at all predisposed to like miss tomalin she began to feel her prejudice waning and by the end of dinner they were conversing in a very friendly tone may chatted of her friends at northampton and several times mentioned a mr yabsley whom it was evident she held in much esteem mr yabsley it appeared was the originator of the society for civilizing the ignorant poor mr yabsley lectured on very large subjects and gave readings from very serious authors mr yabsley believed in the glorious destinies of the human race especially of that branch of it known as anglo-saxon he is an elderly gentleman asked constance with a half smile of mischief old oh dear no mr yabsley is only about thirty not quite that i think and may suddenly turned to talk of browning whom she felt it a positive duty to know from end to end had miss bride really mastered sordello i never tried to constance answered why should i worry about unintelligible stuff that would give me no pleasure even if i could understand it oh oh don't speak like that cried the other distressfully i'm sure you don't mean it i care very little for poetry of any kind said constance in all sincerity oh how i grieve to hear that but then of course we all have our special interests yours is science i know i've worked a good deal at science 
of course one can't possibly neglect it it's a simple duty to make oneself as many-sided as possible don't you think just now i'm giving half an hour before breakfast every day to huxley's book on the crayfish mr yabsley suggested it to me not long ago he was in correspondence with huxley about something i don't quite know what but he takes a great interest in evolution of course you know that volume on the crayfish i'm afraid i don't you arrange your day i see very methodically oh without method nothing can be done of course i have a time-table i try to put in a great many things but i'm sure it's no use sitting down to any study for less than half an hour do you think so at present i can only give half an hour to herbert spencer i think i shall have to cut out my folklore to make more time for him yet folklore is so fascinating of course you delight in it i never had time for it at all replied constance just now i'm quite excited about ghost-worship mr yabsley doesn't think it is sufficient to explain the origin of religious ideas mr yabsley remarked constance has pronounced opinions on most things oh he is very wide indeed very wide and very thorough there's no end to the examinations he has passed he's thinking of taking the d lit at london it's awfully stiff you know when they parted about eleven o'clock miss tomlin went upstairs humming a passage from a beethoven sonata she declared herself enchanted with her room and hoped she might wake early to make the coming day all the longer at ten next morning constance was summoned to the upstairs room where lady ogram sometimes sat when neither so unwell as to stay in bed nor quite well enough to come down a bad night had left the old lady with her ghastly visage but she smiled with grim contentment as her secretary entered come i want you to tell me what you talked about where is she now what is she doing miss tomlin is in the library rejoicing among the books she is very intellectual said lady ogram i never knew any one so keen about knowledge but what did you talk about last night of very many things canada and northampton religion and crayfish huxley and yabsley yabsley who's yabsley a gentleman of northampton a man of light and leading a great friend of miss tomalin's an old man i suppose asked lady ogram sharply not quite thirty but married of course married i didn't ask but i fancy not lady ogram flushed and fell into extreme agitation why had she not been told about this yabsley why had not that idiot kerchever made inquiries and heard about him this very morning she would write him a severe letter what may was engaged to a man called yabsley constance as soon as interposition was possible protested against this over-hasty view of the matter she did not for a moment think that may was engaged and after all mr yabsley might even be married then why cried lady ogram furiously did you begin by terrifying me did you do it on purpose if i thought so i would send you packing about your business this moment constance who had not yet taken her seat drew back a few steps her face darkened with hands clasped behind her she regarded the raging old autocrat coldly and sternly if you wish it lady ogram i am quite ready to go their eyes encountered lady ogram was quivering mumbling gasping her look fell sit down she said imperatively i am afraid was miss bride's reply we had better not talk whilst you are feeling so unwell sit down i tell you i wasn't unwell at all till you made me so who is this yabsley some low shopkeeper some paltry clerk 
the old lady knew very well that constance bride would never tremble before her it was this proudly independent spirit unyielding as her own and stronger still in that it never lost self-command which had so established the clergyman's daughter in her respect and confidence yet the domineering instinct now and then prompted her to outrage a dignity she admired and her invariable defeat was a new satisfaction when she calmly looked back upon it you mustn't mind me she said presently when constance had quietly refused to make conjectures about the subject under dissuasion isn't it natural enough that i should be upset when i hear such news as this i wanted to have a talk with may this morning but now she broke off and hung her head gloomily in your position said constance i should find out by a simple inquiry whether miss tomalin is engaged or likely to be she will answer i am sure readily enough she doesn't seem to be at all reticent of course i shall do so thank you for the advice all the same would you mind bringing her up here if you prefer it i will ring scrupulousness of this kind always followed when lady ogram had behaved ill to her secretary the smile with which constance responded was a ratification of peace in a few minutes the old lady and may were chatting together alone and without difficulty the great doubt was solved i'm thinking of going to london for a week or two thus lady ogram approached the point and i should rather like to take you with me it's very kind of you said may with joy in her eyes but i want to know whether you are quite independent is there any one beside mr and mrs rook that you would have to consult about it no one whatever you know that i am long since of age lady ogram if you like call me your aunt it's simpler you know certainly i will i am quite free aunt good i may take it for granted then that you have formed no ties of any kind may shook her head smiling as though at a thought which the word suggested a thought not unpleasing but not at all difficult to dismiss thereupon lady ogram began to talk freely of her projects i shall go up to town in a fortnight at the end of this month of course you must have some things dresses and so on i'll see to that before we leave rivenoak i should like you to meet a few people my friends at hollingford particularly but in a very quiet way i shall ask them to lunch with us most likely shall you want to go back to northampton before leaving for london oh it isn't at all necessary answered may with sprightliest readiness i haven't brought many things with me but i could send as for clothing don't trouble that's my affair then we'll settle that you stay on with me for the present and now tell me how do you like miss bride oh very much indeed i'm sure we shall soon quite understand each other i'm glad to hear that i hope you will i may say that i have a very high opinion indeed of miss bride and that there's no one in whom i put more confidence will she go to london with us certainly i couldn't get on without her help may was relieved the prospect of living alone with her great-aunt even in london had mingled a little uneasiness with her joyful anticipation now she abandoned herself to high spirits and talked until lady ogram began to have a headache for an hour before luncheon they drove out together may still gossiping her aged relative now and then attentive but for the most part drowsily musing that afternoon when an hour or two of sleep had somewhat restored her lady ogram sketched several letters for her secretary to write pausing at length she looked at miss bride and for the first time addressed her by her personal name constance the other responded with a pleased and gratified smile from mr lashmar's talk of him what sort of idea have you formed of lord dymchurch rather a vague one i'm afraid i've heard him only casually mentioned 
but mr lashmar has a high opinion of him he thinks him a man of good principles undoubtedly a very honourable man so i hear from other sources said lady ogram it's probably true i should rather like to know lord dymchurch he would be an interesting man to know don't you think as not infrequently happened their eyes met in a mute interchange of thought interesting yes replied constance slowly and she added pressing the nib of her pen on her finger-nail they say he doesn't marry just because he is poor and honourable it's possible lady ogram rejoined and after a moment's reflection said in an absent voice that the day's correspondence was finished End of chapter 11